0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Shot by Shot. This is Sean. This is Kevin. And this is our second of two episodes with the lovely Mr. Greg Rucka. If you're unfamiliar with Mr. Greg Rucka, he is the creator of The Old Guard, currently one of the most watched movies on Netflix right now. But the fact of the matter is, Greg is a treasury of stories Black Magic, Lazarus, Wolverine.
1: Yeah, he had a great run at DC with Gotham Central, Batwoman, uh, The Question with our pal Cully Hamner. Uh, He's done it all.
0: Yeah, so we are delighted to continue to talk to Mr. Ruck about his approach and also some of the more cinematic influences that he's had. So it's a pretty deep conversation uh, between Brian, for the most part, and Greg. But if you're curious where this man gets all of his knowledge about spies and black ops it's a great listen here's mr greg rucka please enjoy
2: one of the kind of patterns that i that i look for you know in in your stuff is the unfinished business you know <laughs> where where a character has like this unfinished business and and the the unfinished business that they have is something that owns their soul and and they're struggling <laughs> you know, they're struggling to to get that finished and and every every once in a while wow. what you'll do is you'll kind of go I'll allow you to see the unfinished business <laughs> and i'll allow you to be able to articulate why you're broken but in the end you're still broken that's right and um you don't get to finish it yes yeah and it's 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 really it's really nice with these um you know that 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 theme and i and i and i think you're you're really you know sort of great because i think that's an, an inequity that sort of lives in all of us in, in some way or, or, or another. And I, I think um, there are a lot of times where the unfinished business that these characters have is the thing that can corrupt them, is the thing that makes them bad. And they oftentimes struggle against that. You know they struggle. Yeah. They they fight so hard to be good, but that unfinished business is is like this gravity weld. It's like this singularity that's just drawing them in, and um and that's something that I that I really first noticed with um because I was in the in the studio with Kali Yeah. That you were you were doing with the uh with the question, and uh and then even even later when you guys did um the uh convergence. Yeah, uh, yeah. stuff with the uh, the question and which is all about and, unfinished business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh and it's and it's it's so it's so cool because and and if if you don't mind, one of the things that, that Kelly was telling me was was that she was struggling to clear up things with her dad. Yeah. You know, which is which is a giant hole in her life, but he was dying. So there's this like inherent. Sort of time limit, you know, sort of on things. Cully had said that, uh, that your father was incredibly ill and probably, you know, sort of heading into his final years at the time. Were you able to draw on that?
3: Oh, yeah. You know, sort of
2: in the question?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, well, I mean, first of all, I've got to say, I have never, um, I have never thought of, the unfinished business factor. And the second you said it, I was like, Oh my God, he's right.
2: He's absolutely (laughs) right. I do that all the time. Um, well, but, but, but I think, um, I think the cool thing is, um, and, and, and there's this thing that I refer to as directing style, which is like the moment that you say Scorsese, a thing comes to mind, Yeah, not a particular story, but a, but a particular kind of feeling comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this, it's the same with Spielberg, you Mm -hmm. know, sort of, it's the same with John Woo. It's the same with Dizzy Gillespie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like, and, and I think, I think an artist gets a hold of a bone, you -hmm. know, and, and they really, Oh yeah. We don't let, we don't let go. The thing that, uh, that I end up enjoying is watching, you know, and I think, I think every fan of a particular artist is a fan because of that. Yeah, because yeah. they uh, they they get to see that thing worked out. You know,
3: I, I think you have given it more consideration than I ever have. <laughs> <laughs> I know that um, I have a a good friend of mine teaches at the U of O. His name's Ben Saunders, and uh, and he teaches comic studies. And he sent me a, a message a couple days ago having seen the movie and 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 was remarking he's an academic so you you know the academic reader is saying it's very interesting how you keep it, you know engaging in these issues of resurrection and this trope and i'm curious what's going on there greg and i'm like yeah i mean i'm in my death phase i i I, I had, you know, my noir phase and then I hit my lesbians phase. And and like I, you know, it's Picasso had his blue phase. I know what I'm moving yes. through. Right. <laughs> yeah. There and and every writer I mean, you're right. And I've heard in Hollywood you'll hear this said is that every director ends up making the same movie and over over and over again. It may look different, they may set it in space, but at its yeah. core, they keep trying to answer the same questions. And and I am sure that I am not, you know, I, I, I am absolutely as guilty of that as anyone. Pop's death, yeah, I mean, I was desperately trying to process it. And, um, you know, I mean, he, he, you know, my father was my hero. I mean, he, he legitimately, genuinely was my hero. Was a man who I can say... In all honesty, you know, every day of his adult life, you know, when he went to work, he went to work to make somebody else's life better. Um, That that was what he was doing. And hi, uh, I make up stuff for a living and then convince people to pay me to read it. Let's think about the insane nature of that business proposition right there. Not only am I making it up, I'm convincing you to give me your money so you can read the thing I made up. Um, and I, you know, I, I, in my more generous moments, I can look, for instance, at, at, at putting something like the old guard into the world and seeing you know, anybody ever wants to come to me and say, Oh, representation that doesn't matter. You know, I get the pop. I get, I get free shots on them. Right. Because I'm on week three of people responding to Nikki and Joe. Yeah. Um, and, and not simply Nikki and Joe as lovers, but going, Hey, you know, I, I haven't gotten to see, a, 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 an identified Muslim as a hero in a while. Um, you know, getting to look at Kiki, getting to look at Charlize, getting to look at Shuetel, right? Who is the smartest guy in the movie, right? Yeah. yeah, you're never going to convince me representation doesn't matter. And I know that being able to put that in the world, I have made in a very small way the world a little better for some people.
2: Yeah, well, but- I, I think I think oftentimes when when as artists we're working out our inequities. Yeah. We're working it out on stage, and and the audience kind <laughs> yes. of gets to vicariously kind of work out their you know, sort of their their same problems, you know, their same issues. At the time
1: that we're in, can you imagine, like, if we didn't have Netflix, if we didn't have HBO, if we didn't have you know network television? I mean, yes. but just, you, I mean, there's only so many books in your house. Yes, I mean, you know, if, if this was 20 years ago. Yeah, thirty years ago. I mean, like you know, uh, my kids. I've got three kids uh, from eleven to, to sixteen, and you know, they still get to see their friends every day, even though they're stuck in the house. Right. Because when I can... was a kid, there was nothing I wanted more than a Dick Tracy watch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> out of every you know every device they own, but but it comes back to the entertainment. You know, we are able to sit down as a family. That's the one cool thing about the pandemic. Because you know, I'm a movie nut. My my kids are not so much, but we've we've made the time to watch. You know, I've watched Outer Banks with my with my middle daughter mm-hmm. uh, because that's her <laughs> favorite cool show. So I've started watching that. You know, when we actually started watching the um, the Haunting of Hill House, uh-huh. into like, creepy stuff now. My sixteen year old's terrified of it, but my thirteen year old <laughs> loves it. So you know, uh, being at home and Brian and I were talking about this a few months ago, right when all this was happening. It's it's we're kind of like in a lot of ways. It's like being a '80s, '70s, '80s kid. We're kind of at home. We're like you know, riding bikes and. Whatnot, but at night, uh, when I was a kid, you went to your room and you read comics or you read, there was no VCR. I didn't have a VCR when I was a kid, (laughs) there were four channels on my TV. Uh, So now we do get to sit around and watch movies at home. Uh, So that you can't discount how important it is to create entertainment for people escapism yeah. and like you said things that you can uh representation or whether it's just a story about you know uh th- those when you're a teenager you need to see stories about uh characters that are going through the things that you're going through and you don't even know how to deal with them you mm-hmm. know
3: um so all that stuff's important Don't yeah. discount what you do i i i don't you know i i appreciate that and i think and and you know I've believed for quite a while. First and foremost, you know I I, I am fortunate in that I, I I I make a living telling stories, and I'm now I'm now skilled enough with the tools of at least three different medium that I can pretty much choose the medium I think will be best for that story to tell. Wow. And, you know that'll tell the entertainment best but at the same time and, and and acknowledging the first order of business is to entertain you right you know i want you to have a good time or i want you to have a miserable time but i want you to enjoy yourself doing it you know or um but i absolutely 100 percent, and for a really, really 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 long time have maintained that Entertainment in and of itself is all well and good, but you have to own what you're putting into the world. And um, and like it or not, you can call it as fluffy and simple and pointless as you want, but you're still making a statement if you're putting it into the world. You're saying something about the world, even if you don't want to. You're saying something about about the world, and and thus it's incumbent on the artist to own what they are saying to consider what they are saying uh, yeah. no matter how light the entertainment may be you know if if in my stories you know uh every latinx character is portrayed as you know sweaty and untrustworthy i am putting so I'm, I'm putting a statement into the world i am perpetuating something um, Yeah. so yeah, I mean, and, and I do take that responsibility seriously, perhaps a little too seriously, because it, one can argue I may not be as entertaining as all that. The movie is, you know, it's such a delight because of exactly what Kevin is saying. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we, we are benefiting from a moment that really you feel odd about benefiting from. Yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people and, and, were at home watching Netflix when our movie came out on Netflix. Let's put it like yeah, that. awesome. <laughs> but um,
2: but one one of the things that I think is is cool is with uh with Batwoman, you didn't make the comic about her being gay. With uh with the Old Guard, you know, it's just like you don't like make it, make it about the thing. Characters have stuff going on and they're also uh gay. They're also black they're also but like they have stuff going on and they're uh, people and i I think (laughs) and and it's 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 interesting because that's always factored into their character Mm. but it's not the singular thing that makes the 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 character um, well which which makes them a much more rounded character well
3: i would argue this is difference between character and caricature right i mean yeah yeah and and jewish is not a character trait. Jewish is an element of character, you know? <laughs> yeah. So is so is bald. So is, you know, wears glasses. So is left-handed. So is, you know, uh, you had a horrible football accident when they were 16 and their knee never healed right. All of those things come together to make character. Um, and all of those things braid together you know in a way that ideally they're inextricable you can't take one thing out and still have the same person they become no. a different character so yeah
2: and and in in your in your work i think um one of the things that, that that i find really endearing is that on on most occasions you're you're starting off with a a relatively simple high concept but a complex character, Hmm. you know? And, and the complexity of the story is, is driven by the needs of the characters. And it's not because I I think oftentimes plot is like watching a mathematician at a chalkboard, Mm -hmm. just kind (laughs) of writing out the numbers. And, uh, and if you're really into that, you know, that's, that's entertaining, but it's, it's, how the characters react to that mathematic that i think makes an an entertaining story
3: well that's certainly where i come from i am and i mean if you read you know we did the second old guard series ended week before last i think our last issue came out and if you read force multiplied oh my god it's like the 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 plot doesn't actually manifest until issue four of five (laughs) right that the second series is not a plot series. The second series is no, this is entirely about the characters.
2: This is yeah.
3: entirely about the characters. This is all character work. It's all character work. Um, you're not going to be able to turn that into a movie. That yeah. would be a horrible, yeah. horrible movie. <laughs> well, and trust me, oh, but- <laughs> I've already had that discussion. <laughs> <Been> like, <laughs> No, no, believe me, I know this is not a movie. Um, I'm
2: going to take this one off the board myself.
3: Yes, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> there there are things here we can use, but I would not suggest adapting this directly. Uh, um, it will now, be a waste now, so, of some, everybody's time and I money. Think, uh, yeah,
2: something that that I think is interesting is um, is a, a lot of this um, comes from, you know, my my recognition of this comes from conversations I. You know sort of used to have with uh with denny O'Neill. Um, yeah you know it, it's like i really didn't consider myself a full-fledged storyteller until i started talking to denny and he really explained kind of the the process what is character what is plot um and uh and i know that you're kind of a, a disciple yeah. of uh, of denny as uh as well and uh, and i think you know so if we lost a a really yeah. You know, we, we lost a prime number you know, instead of with uh, with with Danny O'Neill.
3: Yeah, and I think we lost one, of, arguably one of the last of that generation. There, the, somebody was telling me that um, Jordan Gorfinkel and Darren Vincenzo and a, yeah. one of the, who else was editing it? Uh, Scott that, Peterson. Scott Peterson, and they all still call each other once a week. Yeah, right. these were the editors that Denny made the bat group around. Yeah, yeah it was 20... uh, it
2: was it was Camelot.
3: <laughs> yeah, know? and twenty-two years later, they still call each other once a week. Um, and I can't think of um, a more moving sort of. Testimonial than to know that, you know, three students are still in touch yeah, because, because yeah. of what the teacher brought them together to do. And, and
2: I, yeah, and, and one of the things that I thought was cool is, is the way that he taught, and, uh, and, and this changed kind of the way that I look at teaching is not here, you need to do it the way that I do but he would actually kind of go, well, let's figure out the way that you do it. Let's figure out what you do. And, uh, and it was, it was just really kind of, kind of cool to, to see teaching like that, you know, to, to, you know, because I think as a student, you oftentimes are spending a lot of times looking outside to figure out what it is that you do. And, uh, and Danny kind of taught you to kind of turn that inside and, and figure out what, what it is that you have to say:
3: Well, and I think, I think that Denny understood that you know that art is a huge tent, and that the way I write is not the way he writes is not the way you know, everybody's voice has to be different. yeah, everybody has their own style, and especially yeah. when you talk about comics, which you know tends to lean to... A homogeneity in style you know it hits a point where everything needs to look the same way or whatnot
2: mm-hmm.
3: to have had the you know the, this was the group editor this was the guy who called the shots on batman he brought in sean martin bro, after no man's land he said we're yeah. gonna make detective <laughs> he said not only that he said detective comics sean martin bro, greg rucka and two colors and <laughs> yeah. and 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 and, and and people acted like we had burnt down their house. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Was like,
2: what are you doing here? And it's like, trying something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and that that brings up an interesting point. The way that you write, you know, you you have like, I mean, there's there's a thing that I recognize as you know, sort of the rucka,
0: um, <laughs> but
2: <laughs> yeah but uh it's but, a lot but the, of, it's no, the, a lot of no copy panels
3: it's <laughs> yeah, a lot of, but a, actually it's a lot of me going no I, I cully is a great example of this it's 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 me going so i'm going to do this and cully says that sounds great and i'm like great because uh it's entirely on you to sell it enjoy it. you know uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> but but, here's the, the but the cool thing is <laughs> yeah the cool thing is, is is that's that's the point is that the way that you write for cully is going to be different than the way that you write for Michael Lark. Yeah. You know, is which is going to be different than the way that you write for, you know, sort of Martin Borough. It's like there's a, a thing, there's that, you know, and, and again, it, it's like, you know, when Martin Scorsese does one movie, it's like, okay, that's a that's a gangster plot, but this mm-hmm. is something slightly and uh and and I think you're you're shifting your writing style. And and I I think it's to suit the artist, but I think it's also um, to to suit the the story, and uh, and and that's because a lot of yeah. a lot of writers just write the same way; they don't really care who's going to draw the book or anything like that. And it's just the way that um, that you're writing for JH Williams. That had a complete, and I mean, it's the same book, mm-hmm. but it's it's like you know when you're writing for JH Williams, you're you're doing this cool molecular gastronomy, you know, but, yeah. then, <laughs> but then like in the backup, you're kind of going, well, wow, you're at my steakhouse now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <that's> right. <laughs> so so it's, somewhere it's, else. it's, yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's really cool to see you shift your style. Sorry. I all mean, right. Yeah.
1: Most don't do that. And, and, and we've had this conversation too, Brian, you brought it up. You've got artists that they draw the same way, no matter what they're doing. know Mm -hmm. this is it this is the only style i do i mean i've made my name on it and you write your script i'm drawing this way yeah and and, uh guys that can you know adapt their style for the story but you also don't see a lot of writers i mean you do see more writers i think so than artists but it's it's not something that's standard you don't see that every day where a where a writer is saying all right here's the guy i'm working with i've got
3: to work to his strengths because you can tell when that happens and uh, yeah well i mean it, you know, to my embarrassment, it took me far too long to realize that was the way I should have been working all along. <laughs> but, you know, when I came in to to mainstream comics, at least, there was sort of a wall uh, put up by editorial between the writer yeah. and the artist. They didn't want the two communicated. And... Right uh and and then basically as the world and as technology said oh, you don't get to do that that's basically basically you can't keep that from happening they, they were afraid um, to go off and do create their own books together <laughs> yeah. I, I actually suspect my suspicion has always been that they were more afraid that there would be a disagreement and yeah, that, a mutiny. <laughs> and, and, and and that one side or the other um would end up sabotaging the production train because at the end of the day, all mainstream comics care about are that the issues are out every month. Right. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and if, they're, they,
2: if they're good, that's
3: a bonus. If that's exactly, that's incidental. I mean, it's like, it's, is it there? Great. Is it good? Even better. But <laughs> yeah. there, there is the thing we're looking for. Um, And, you know, back in the days when you know, writers weren't emailing scripts and, and, and artists weren't scanning and sending pages, but were actually having to put pages in FedEx or, or you know, DC, what it was, DHL uh, <laughs> yeah. m- m- envelopes and, and sending them in. If you had a writer and an artist having a fight and one of them decided to hold the script hostage in some way, either hold a page hostage or literally hold the script hostage you had a real problem. So yeah. I, I imagine that was what they lived in fear of. Um, I could be totally wrong. But, you know, it, like I say, it, it took me a while to realize, and it really wasn't until I got to start doing serious creator own stuff. Because when I was doing creator-owned stuff, it necessitated... um communication with 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 all of the collaborators on the project. Mm. And not only whoever my co-creator was, but you know, who was coloring, who was lettering, everybody had to be part of that discussion. Yeah. And excuse me, the moving from that, you know, I took it back. And then there were certain people like, you know, as we've talked about Cully and God, man, I love him to death. I mean, I adore him. And One of the great things about Cully is he always wants to talk about what you're doing. He always wants to make it better. So even if I had been inclined to not talk to him, I don't think Cully would have let me. I think Cully would have ended up calling and he would have said, so let's talk about this. And, And, and that's the, that's the other thing. And this is why I absolutely love comics and it isn't, I don't love comics as a fan loves them. I have come to realize this. I am not the guy who, you know, I, I collected comics often on once every couple of weeks. weeks. Um, that is not why I love comics. I love comics because I love the collaboration of them. Oh, yeah. I absolutely 100% that's why I am here at this point. Because if I wanted to just make stuff up all by myself, I could do that. I could write a novel but I want to be able to call up Cully and say, Hey, I've got this idea or how do we execute this scene or have Cully call me and say, you know, I read the script and you said this thing on page 22 and I know how we do it. You want to hear it? And I'd be like, yes, tell me, because I don't know what to do there. Oh dude, that's,
2: that's, that's the jazz right there. That, that is like, you know, when, when you really kind of get together and, and, uh, and you know, you're, you're producing something that's that's better than the both of you.
3: That's exactly you know? <laughs>
2: it. That's that, That's 100% it.
3: I, I know my limitations and I know I'm never going to write anything that can't benefit from a rewrite. But you yeah. know what, if I have the luxury of working with talented, passionate
2: people, I get to make
3: something that's greater than the sum of its parts.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And something because because I, I, I've checked out your scripts to Kelly from time to time and, and I got to tell you, the, the coolest thing um, and uh, and especially if it's if it's done out of respect and not laziness is uh, is when you go, hey, man, you handle this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's like when, when you when you get the toss from the writer <laughs> where where the writer is is respecting your ability to just nail a scene and and they're not going to get in there yeah man you know, and, uh, I, any
3: any fight scene that we were doing in the pipeline story like oh. after <laughs> after the first one like after the very first issue where we had done like the first fight and i got the pages back from cully it literally was me being like so you really don't need me to you just basically need to know fight starts page six panel two fight ends page eight panel two right that's yeah that's you know. all you need and he's like yeah pretty much And it's like i'm getting out i'm getting the hell out of your way man you know <laughs> yeah
2: and and the uh, the thing that i think is uh, is really cool especially in in the in the case of 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 cully is when he does a fight scene he's actually going to keep telling the story He's yes. going, it's, it's not going to be just uh, character A fighting character B. He's actually going to show you something about the character. You're going to see something about the character's strengths or the character's vulnerability just in the way that he choreographs the fight. Yep. So there's, there's storytelling taking place in a yep. fight scene. Which is just really, I, I think, um, just makes the entire thing rather than just being this this porn that's going to happen, where it's just like, all right, you know, sort of let's stop the story. Yeah, here, and you know, it's going to happen, fight. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you do. Yeah, I mean, that's that that porn is
3: a great is a great description for it. I, I've never used it before, but that really is what it is. It's like, and now we're just waiting for the money shot. And
2: yeah, yeah. But but the character the character has to be there. Yeah, you know, it's it's like I I have got to know something about this character, and that's going to tell me whether this character is going to be more defensive in the fight, or if this character is going to be more aggressive. You know, in the or, in the fight. Or
3: how, I mean, the you know again the thing that he brought, I thought so beautifully to the to, to Renee as the question was that Bruce Lee feel,
2: yeah, um, that yeah. there
3: was there was that sense of. Every fight is serious, but every fight is also a little bit of a game. Yeah, a little bit of, you know, his Renee had a little cocky to her.
2: Yeah, well one one of the thing one of the things that I thought, especially with the uh, with with the Renee character, is that she was the entire time trying to cover something up, <laughs> you know, trying, <laughs> trying to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, trying not to be exposed as a fraud, mm-hmm. you know, sort of not really feeling that she deserves any of what she was getting, unless she was in a fight, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, and it's it's, like it's, all that confidence, just like,
3: blah, just it's spilled out. It's that, it's that, it's that character in a nutshell. The one thing that she's terrified that she is really, really good at is violence.
0: Um, yeah she's, yeah, she's yeah. great
3: at violence she's not so sure about the other stuff so
2: <laughs> yeah yeah and, and I think uh you did um something similar to that with uh with with Andy uh in uh an old guard mm-hmm. you know when she's fighting it's just like okay <laughs> you know it's just like yeah I'm going to blow off some steam now. Send as many as you have. <laughs> there's there's a grin that Charlize shoots in that
3: uh, in the plane fight with Kiki
2: oh, that, wow. I just,
3: yeah. that I just love. That you can see it's like Andy being like, oh, okay. This is, all right, let's do it. Let's, this will be good. This will be fun. The way that fight parallels the fight on the sky bridge near the end. Yeah. Um, when when you see, and I've seen the movie now several times, she stabs the guy who's fighting her, I think five times (laughs) with his own knife while he is holding it. (laughs) Like she literally takes control of the arm and jabs him and, you know, there's your shoulder, there's your knee, there's your thigh, there's your other shoulder. And that sense of, yeah, that's that's what she knows. You're never gonna beat her at that, right? Yeah. On her day,
2: and, yeah. And, and you know, sort of, we um we always talk about like um sort of sort of shots, you know, in uh, in shot by shot. And and I think one of the coolest moments um, in in watching the in the entire movie, and, you know, there's action sequences, there's all sorts of stuff, but I think one of the one of the moments that really define uh, Andy's character is when they're about to bust in and um and you know Kiki says, "Hey, uh you get behind me, I'll go in first." Yeah. And Charlie says, "No, I go in first. I always go in first." Yeah. And I was just like, there it is. And <laughs> there is and
3: a, a and right if this there. doesn't work out and if this doesn't work out next time, you go in first. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, that's the darkest joke in the movie,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, 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 But I mean, yeah. that was that was the um, you know, to me the the El Cid, you know, kind of moment where it's yeah. just like, well, even 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 when I die, strap my dead body to the horse <laughs> yes. you know, and send it into battle first. Yeah. <laughs> you know? This is this so is that's, the way. that's like the the ultimate warrior right there. You yeah. Know, that the that was that was like a just just a really really good uh good moment and uh and and another moment that i thought when um when i got asked to do you know the uh the poster image yeah um is the
3: wonderful poster image that i hope everybody has seen
2: the moment with um with with joe in the um in the armored car yeah you know where it's just like okay you know (laughs) He's going to give a speech to the children and explain to them what love is. Yes. (laughs) I was just like, that is like one of the, you know, sort of best, you know, sort of romantic moments, you know, sort of in film right there. That was just so well done.
3: I love the fact that Marwan made a line that frankly should not work spoken out loud work, which was. Uh, you're a child, an infant, and your mocking is thus infantile, which, <laughs> which really is not something any human being should ever speak aloud, right? It looks wow. great on the page. It looks great on <laughs> yeah. the page. Yeah, that's one of those people don't talk written, like that. It's yeah. written
2: beautifully. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> and, and oh my God, he sold it. And I was just like, I remember when they shot that, I was standing next to Roxy Cuenca, who is the, um, was the script supervisor, and she and I were just like, just literally tearing up and falling in love with them, you know. And and afterwards, being and Gina had—I mean, I think she only asked them to do it like three times, you know. Wow. And I, it was literally Marwan came that day, going, "Oh no, I know exactly how I'm doing this. Thank you." Oh um, man,
2: he was—he was probably like working that in the mirror. You know? <laughs> For weeks in advance you know? he's incredible i just
3: everybody on that movie was wonderful um yeah
2: yeah and 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 everyone got like um like a nice chunk of meat you yeah. know in the um and you know there wasn't like oh yeah, there's that guy in the background it was yeah. it was all all the characters got like a really good good piece of it you know? yeah oh, the
1: they,
3: casting director too i have to say oh yeah, I have no idea where they got like I'd never heard of Luca before I didn't know Matthias they actually looked like they should like like
1: they mm-hmm. looked like they were all right yeah this is the illustrated version of this person mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <alien> <laughs> game. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it actually I, I I watched the film and I went back and I read the the first graphic novel uh-huh. a couple days ago and uh, and I put the movie on again uh, and I'm like you know Jesus Christ they look just like And they can act. It
3: never happens.
1: I I hope people appreciate that. I hope they go and read the comic
3: and say, oh, my God. these." Yeah, me too. I I would like to sell many comics. So,
0: So, Greg, what kind of movies as a kid were you into? Oh, man. I mean, aside from Bond. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You
3: know, I'm I'm 50, right? I was born in 69. So I got Star Wars in the theater. Um, I got Superman in the theater. I got Ghostbusters in the theater. I got basically every single franchise that now exists. I got when it was originally in the theater. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, Man, I I ate it up. Like high school was all about going to the movies for me. I remember going to see Brazil
2: in the theater, you know, um, and and but you are you um you're around for uh for 1982 man the best the best year in movies man all of them came out
3: (laughs) i i
2: I, wrath of khan
3: i remember going to see raiders i remember cutting school to see uh temple of doom sneaky Blade runner because it was r-rated and that's why i bought the ticket Blade, blade runner i never saw in the theater
1: Oh wow! Yeah,
0: totally. Blade
3: Runner, Blade Runner, I came too late. I remember going to see Aliens. I remember when Tim Burton's Batman came out. I remember, yeah. you know, I mean, that was eighty six, was it? Was yeah. Batman eighty nine? Eighty nine?
1: That was in high school. I, I was like a, I know, I was driving, huh? and I, I took my date to see Batman. She was really like. We're one of the movies. Oh, wow, we're here just in time for Batman.
3: (laughs) I I had no real ears to see this, but okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I played it off like, oh, I didn't know this was playing. It totally (laughs) did. But
3: but I will tell you, there was a summer where I was working. I I was working in a restaurant and I would get off of work at like midnight or one. And I would go to the Blockbuster video that was open 24 hours. And I would get like three movies and I would go home and everybody in the house would be asleep. And I would watch these movies back to back. And then I would go to sleep and I'd get up at four in the afternoon and I'd go to work and like that. And man, it was like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. I fell uh-huh. in love with that movie, Robin and Marion. I remember seeing on video, um, you know, and then like watching, you know, for instance, all the Godfather you know, uh, because one and two at that point three wasn't it had hadn't been shot, one and two had been reedited. So you had like you get you could do the chronological viewing, you know, apocalypse. Now I it was a very eclectic, bizarre film education. Nice, and it can never be replicated like what we went through.
1: No, in our age group. No, like, you had to discover things. Yeah, and if you were lucky, you went to the blockbuster or whatever the video store was. And there was a guy there or
3: a girl there that knew film. Yeah, and like, then you could talk to them about it, or yeah. you had you had a peer group that would point you in the right directions. I watched a lot of Hitchcock. I remember seeing a lot of Hitchcock. Uh, uh,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's the good stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, and I and I think um, you know just that period of time, you know that um, that that you know seventies and and or mid middle conversation all the way through oh man there was there was just just such great movies one after another after another after another uh, did you say the conversation
1: yeah yes oh my god like i remember discovering that i think i was in college yeah and and got to catch that at like some um, like midnight feature
3: yeah watching why it was showing but like you know
1: oh my god
3: yeah i remember (laughs) watching the conversation which is a that's a weird one to end at three in the morning What's right that? yeah yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> the french connection is another one right Ah,
2: oh, Gene uh, hackman
3: yeah man yeah. Gene hackman man i just i
1: love that movie but, yeah.
2: yeah well that's 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 a, a really good really good stack and uh and and clearly all of those had some big influence you know, on the, uh, on the stuff you do. Yeah, I mean, look,
3: I, I, the influences are, you know, they fly in from everywhere. There's a huge um, British television sort of PBS influence. Um, you know, Douglas Adams has had a profound effect on me as a writer, believe it or not. Um, wow, <laughs>
2: that's that's one that I would never guess, man.
3: I I just love the way he played with language and 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 turned into
2: the absurd. I actually got into Douglas Adams by listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide on PBS. <laughs> yeah gBS radio and you got it that yeah, way yeah yeah and um and and I listened to some of it but I couldn't get all of it and then I tracked the book down and yeah. read the book and it was even better you know and and yeah the the, See, the man same the thing. second the second
3: radio series is um is probably my favorite bit of all of his writing and 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 I love the Dirk Gently stuff. I mean, I think I really think you know we we lost a we, we lost a profound humanist and genius when he passed. Because I had encountered, I think I had encountered the books first, and then there was a PBS radio station across the bay. I grew up near Monterey, California, and in Santa Cruz there was a station, and they were running hitchhiker's guide the radio series (sighs) i forget like you know it was like sunday nights at
2: eight or whatnot yeah probably probably the same kind of thing in charleston south carolina (laughs) and it it came in so faint (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i would sit there
3: and i and i would record it and one of the greatest treasures of my life was the first time uh jen and i went to england going and finding the complete radio series on cd wow and being able to hear everything and (laughs) being able to hear all in like i said all of the second series right because he had done the first series the story is he, he wrote the first series and he wrote it to an ending it had an ending and then the bbc came and said hey we want another one and he was like i got to write myself out of this ending so <laughs> so he gets to it and then when he gets to the end of the second series he leaves it very open ended and that's when they're like no no we're done we're not doing it anymore and he's like bastards oh um, man <laughs> and and so it doesn't that story doesn't ever actually get resolved the the novels carry just fine but yeah. the uh the radio series, second series, man, I I would have loved a third. So I'll just leave it at yeah. and, that.
2: and that that stuff is is the precursor to things like Rick and Morty, you know. Yeah. Where where it's just like that's where that stuff comes from. Yeah. You know.
3: Absolutely. But yeah, man, I I, I that to me has always been um in prose, in particular, and it and it affects it, it. It definitely affected how how I wrote my prose. I think if you read something like um, you, you read Alpha, and people read Alpha and they read it straight. And if you read it straight, it's just a really bad suspense, <laughs> you know, military commando porn book. You know, I mean, it's just like yeah, special forces soldiers fighting terrorists. Dudes, it's uh, it's Disneyland gets taken over by bad guys. It is literally me going through a checklist, literally, and I'm not, and I and I use the word precisely, literally, with a checklist <laughs> beside me as I wrote it of every action movie cliche I could think of. Oh wow! <laughs> it is <laughs> just one cliche after another, after another, after another because it's me. Just taking the piss, right? I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm just beating on them. It's like, <laughs> oh, the terrorists attacked the park the day the guy's ex-wife and daughter happened to be visiting. Who'd <laughs> of thoughts, you know? Yeah. Well, but, no. <laughs> but people like, read um... that thing so seriously and they're like, Yeah, it's really grim and gritty. I'm like, it's absurdist. It's garbage. Oh. What are you talking oh, what's, about?
2: What's funny is um is I, I saw the uh the Last Action Hero on TV like a little bit ago and mm-hmm. and it's weird because when you <laughs> I remember originally watching the Last Action Hero and saying, "Man, this is so ridiculous." Uh-huh. But but the Last Action Hero is tame compared to your <laughs> average <laughs> like, you know sort of Brookheimer. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and and that was a pastiche, and now we have exceeded the pastiche. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like just way out there now. <laughs> so, uh, but but I haven't I haven't read that. I'm I'm gonna have to give that give that a read with the right frame of mind. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a perfectly enjoyable, fun book, but
3: it is also. You know, it is also interrogating the genre a bit, and then you get to the second one in the series, and it's much more serious.
0: Mm. It's, it's uh. a much more
3: serious book. So, and it was all about a right wing conspiracy to take over the government. So, there you go.
0: We made yeah. a full circle. Yeah. You
3: know that? Yeah, that's probably a good place to end, Sean. I was about to say. I was about to say after
0: you bring up the last action hero, is a good yeah. place to end. But I think we literally made a circle. There you go. We have orbited. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so very much for listening to our podcast with Greg. Greg, obviously, thank you so much for taking the time. Everybody, stick around for next week, and we will have the lovely Miss Caitlin Yarsky. She is the artist behind Coyotes and Bliss from Image Comics. She's a fantastic up-and-coming artist, and we are delighted to have her on the show
1: yeah really looking forward to it i love her work first discovered her because of sean lewis the writer who who was her co-creator on coyotes and discovered that book and just like wow where did she come from amazing (laughs) and she's only gotten better so really looking forward to this next episode
0: thanks everybody